The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. But the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purifications of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile. The Gospel of the Lord. When God created all things that exist, they fell into three basic categories. He created physical things, such as the universe and the planet and rocks and trees and animals and so forth. He created spiritual things, things that are immaterial, like the angels. And then he created us, which are a mix of the two. The human person alone is both physical and spiritual, physical and material, as well as immortal, immaterial. This is at once a blessing and a curse. For material things, rocks can't choose to be trees. The planet can up and decide itself to become something entirely other. It is as it is. So also with the angels. We don't often think about it, but angels don't change. An angel, when it is created, a spiritual being, when it was created by God, was revealed and had revealed to it the plan of eternity. Basically, everything that we experience as an ongoing thing, they saw the full blueprint all at once. And they were given a choice, serve or not. And their choice is for all eternity. Those who serve, we call the angels. Those who don't serve, we call the demons. They're the same reality. All immaterial beings. But what they are, they are. And there's no change. 
This is the gift of being a human person, is that we can change. It doesn't mean I can change and become an elephant. It doesn't mean that I can change and become an angel. But it does mean that I can change the things that are within me. I can change my personality. I can change my story, in a sense. And this is a great gift, as well as a curse at times. Because as much as we can change for good, we can also change for ill. The scriptures this weekend invite us to ensure that the immaterial part of us and the material part of us are expressions of the same reality. That what we see is what we get. To be people of integrity. St. James describes it as calling us to be not only hearers of the word... Namely, to bring it into our heart, into our soul, but also doers of the word. That what we receive, we actually show forth in our life. He's showing that as if we are hearers only, then we don't actually put into practice the faith. And if we don't actually show love to our neighbor, we don't really have it. On the same token, if everything we do is simply on the outside, but nothing is happening on the inside, we are just like the scribes and the Pharisees, who elsewhere Jesus describes as whitewashed tombs. We look real nice and pretty on the outside, but inside it's all death and decay. There's nothing alive there. And so we're called to be the same inside as we are outside. To be people of integrity. In fact, this is the entire claim that Jesus makes against the the Pharisees and the scribes that come against him today. Is the problem that he has with them is they say one thing and they do another. What is on their inside does not correspond to what is outside. They seem to be pious. They keep all the rules and regulations. And yet inside they don't do anything really of value in the words of faith. They follow only the human tradition, the exterior, but they neglect the most important piece, the commands of charity. Their lips praise me, he says, but their hearts are far from me. The outside looks good, but the inside is nowhere near it. Christ calls us to be people of integrity. To allow the things that happen within us to be manifested in the exterior. They can be a challenge for us as Catholics. Especially in the thing that makes us kind of most visibly uh, expressive of our faith. It's easy for us as we come to Holy Mass to allow ourselves to be shaped only on the outside. As we grow up, as we're children, or even if we come into the church as adults, the easiest part of understanding how to go to Mass, what to do at Mass, is to focus on the outside. To know when to stand, when know when to sit, to know when to kneel, to know the words that we say, these kinds of things. It's easy for us to come in and to mimic them. I myself, as a person who didn't believe in God at all, knew when to sit, stand, kneel, and what to say. For all intents and purposes, I could look perfectly awesome as a Catholic. And yet I knew in my heart that I wasn't. It's the easy part to be able to simply do the exterior. But Christ calls us most importantly to look to the interior. It's an entirely different thing for us to understand why we sit, why we stand, why we kneel, why we say what we say. These allow us 
to be able to have the actions that we do mean something. It's not just we stand because we stand or we sit because we sit. It's an intentionality that, that what is happening exterior to me is it's happening because it's what's happening within my heart. That the words that I say, they mean something because they're coming from my heart. They're coming from the depths of the soul. And it's not just true of us here at Mass. Certainly we recognize that it's important to have that integrity elsewhere, outside the church, in our relationships with others. In living the moral life, that we are indeed living what we profess that we believe as Catholics. But the place I would suggest to you that especially we need to be mindful of and to reflect upon the sense of integrity in our souls is in the sacrament of reconciliation. Now, oftentimes it's joked about that we go to reconciliation that's, you know, what happens on Saturday is easily forgiven on Sunday. We can treat confession like it's a sort of candy machine. You put in a quarter, you turn the wheel, and you get something out of it. You go in, you say your sins, the priest does his absolution thing, and you walk out forgiven. But that's not exactly what happens. Confession only works, as we would say, if we actually... First, are repentant of our sin, and secondly, desire to change. If I walk in and boldly proclaim my sin without any sorrow for it, there's nothing to forgive. Because you're just kind of flaunting your trophies at that point. At the same time, if we go in and we say, Lord, I've done this thing, Father, I've committed this sin, and and I'm I'm not really going to try to stop. (laughs) There too, you can't forgive that. I can't forgive people for what they're going to do in the future as often as many people might ask me to. I'm going to miss church on Sunday. Can you forgive me for that, Father? Uh, no. It's not a thing that we can do. It's a reality that whenever we come to reconciliation, first, to mean it. And secondly, to do it. And I would focus especially on one piece of the sacrament Namely, the act of contrition. The act of contrition is appropriately named. Sometimes we think the act of contrition is just the words of the prayer. But in fact, that would be words of contrition or a prayer of contrition. The act of contrition really is intended to be an act. It's a choice of the will to have sorrow for our sins And to resolve as best as we can with all the strength that we can with the help of God's grace not to do it again. It's an action of the heart. The words are just what happens to follow. When we come to the act of contrition, sometimes in the sacrament of reconciliation, several things can happen. One, sometimes we say a prayer that is not even actually the act of contrition. On a couple of occasions, even myself as a priest, when asked to make the act of contrition, began, Bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, before I realized, that's not the prayer at all. (laughs) I'm not blessing food at anywhere in this confessional. Sorry, Father. And the priest just looks at me, he's like, Oh, Brent, God bless you. It's easy for us sometimes to just kind of spout off what happened, whatever Catholic prayer we happen to know at the moment. It's not uncommon for someone to begin and to offer up an Our Father, a Hail Mary, to begin the creed or any other number of things. Sometimes even attempt to bless the food. But it's important for us to remember that 
the action that we have is primarily an action of the heart. It's easy sometimes also to go to reconciliation and at the moment of the act of contrition to treat it as if it's a horse race, that we have to say it as quickly as possible lest we forget it in the three seconds that we have. My God, I'm sorry for my sins with all my heart, truth, and wrong, family, good, amen. At which point the priest is usually kind of maybe a little shell-shocked. That I think that was the act of contrition, but I'm not entirely certain. They could have blessed the food, I'm not sure. If that's the way in which we approach reconciliation, I would encourage you, start taking at a quarter speed. <laughs> to be able to really, to pray it. And to pray it intentionally. Who among us would be happy to receive an apology from our spouse after a serious argument that went something like, Hey, I'm sorry, bye. And walked out the door. Surely we would say, were you really sorry? Because it kind of like you just, it, it sounded like you just kind of said it. You know, just like a little child, whenever they do something, tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry. Like, tell them, you, tell them like you mean it, <laughs> right? Say it like you mean it. In the same way for us as adults to be able to come and to, to be able to come before our Lord and, and to say it like we mean it. My God, I am sorry for my sins with all my heart. In choosing to do wrong and in failing to do good, I have sinned against you, whom I shall love above all things. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more and to avoid whatever leads me to sin. Amen. To mean it. And I pray it out loud with you as a way of saying that we should also know it. We should know the act of contrition. Because indeed it is good for us to be able to come and to have the act of contrition in our heart. But also we must be not just hearers that we know, the act, that we know contrition in our heart, but also doers of it. Christ didn't say only the heart matters, the exterior doesn't really matter. No, both are important for us. To be able to have, first and foremost, most importantly, the contrition of our hearts. But then to be able to know the words. It can happen sometimes that if we don't know the words, what we end up saying and what we end up experiencing, what we end up feeling, are two different things. Sometimes, in the midst of confusion of trying to make sense or trying to, to fumble one's way through the act of contrition, we involve, instead, instead of resolving to avoid the near occasion of sin, we resolve to sin more. And then continue on. In fact, obviously we don't mean the words. <laughs> Sometimes the words we mean, if, if, we, if we are attentive to it, they don't make sense. As we just kind of piece together pieces and parts of the act of contrition as we recall it. This is why it's important for us first to have the action of the heart. To experience the contrition of heart. To ask God's grace before we go to reconciliation. Lord, help me to be sorry even more for my sins. Then I might be able to receive more of your grace. And then to go and to make reconciliation. And to pray the prayer. Not just because it's words that we know. But pray it from our hearts. This is what the Lord invites us to. The true contrition of heart. To be hearers of the word first, that we might be able to be doers. So I'd encourage you to spend some time with an act of contrition. To pray it regularly, even to pray it daily. 
in the back of the church on the little, the little wall rack on the side, there's this handy little cards that say how to go to confession. On the inside, it's a little examination of conscience. And on the back is the literal words of what you have to say and what the priest is going to respond when you go to confession. It's got two different acts of contrition. One is a long form. One is a very abbreviated short form. I would encourage you, especially every day, at the end of the day, take two minutes of time and to think briefly through the day. Identify one or three, you know, one to three things that happen well where you cooperate with God's grace. And then identify one to three things where you fell short, where you sinned in some way, large or small. And then simply to make an act of contrition. It's a wonderful way to conclude our day, asking God for his mercy and trusting in it and knowing that he will help us in the rest of the days. But in addition to that, it also prepares us and it prepares our minds and prepares our hearts for the moment when we'll actually be in the presence of the Lord in reconciliation. When the act of contrition becomes something that we speak not just to the Lord in spirit, but also in flesh, in the person of the priest. The wonderful grace the Lord gives to us in the gifts of the sacraments, because they embrace us as we are, body and in spirit. And they call us to become who Christ is, perfect man, holy God. And so we ask the grace of the Lord Jesus to be with us today as we offer these sacred mysteries. That indeed he might continue to strengthen us with his help. And by the gift of the Eucharist we come to celebrate and to receive. That what happens within the interior might be indeed made manifest on the exterior. And that all of the things on the exterior might be coordinated with that which is deeply in our hearts. And we ask the grace of the Lord that in those places where there may be wickedness of our hearts that they might be cast out. That we might become who he calls us to be.